Hello, and welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5c.consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Adaptive Executive. I have a very, very special guest here, Shada Tarabi, if I said that right. And Shada, say hello. Hello. And you did say that correct. That's perfect. Shada Tarabi. Great. Welcome. Glad you're here with us today. So Shada, we're going to have a really dynamic conversation. I am so excited about this. So I did not know 48 hours ago what CBD was. And so it's a cannabis product, byproduct of cannabis. Correct. And I'd love for you to maybe just educate our listeners on what CBD is and why we should know about it. Yeah. Great question. So CBD stands for cannabidiol. It is a cannabinoid that is found in the cannabis plant. Fun fact, there's actually over 160 different cannabinoids. Some people might be more familiar with THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the psychotropic cannabinoid, but CBD has really made a big splash in the market specifically and early on um, to help mitigate actually and treat patients who are dealing with epilepsy. And now that it's been in the market, for the past couple of years, it was federally legalized in 2019 um, nationally. And then I'm based in Texas. So it was legalized in Texas shortly after. And now you're seeing people really looking to CBD as a natural herbal way to help ease anxiety, um, find relief uh, when it comes to sleep, as well as CBD's kind of main property is anti-inflammatory. So a lot of people dealing with chronic pain or inflammation, myself included, I was in a car accident in 2015. I was hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian. And that's originally how my family got introduced to CBD as a natural way to help me manage that pain. And so couple, you know, years later, turned it into a business that I'm sure we'll dive into discussing a little bit more, but yeah, CBD is a cannabinoid. It's natural and it's federally legal. Right. Right. And I think the, the interesting thing is it, it doesn't have that psycho, is it psychotropic effect? Psychotropic, psychoactive, correct. Yeah. So every cannabinoid and THC is not the only psychotropic cannabinoid. Um, again, re remember there's like over 160 of them, but CBD is correct. Traditionally non-psychotropic. And so I think that's where sometimes there's been some confusion or stigma. People assume, oh, this comes from the cannabis plant. This comes from marijuana. This must make me feel high. And I feel like another discernment to kind of mention for the listeners would be what was federally legalized was hemp and what is not federally legalized is marijuana. Marijuana is legal in states like California, Colorado, and that plant is traditionally categorized by high THC percentages, whereas hemp is traditionally categorized as high CBD percentages, hence why that was federally legalized. And yeah, so people can benefit from cannabis without feeling high, which I think is a wonderful exploration for people who are curious about it. Yeah, I think that's a I think it's a wonderful myth to kind of just kind of take on because not all cannabis products are intended to get you high. They actually have medicinal purposes to them. So thanks for breaking that down. And 
you know, I appreciate you sharing your story because I was going to follow up with like what brought you into this. And you said that it was in 2015, you were in a significant car accident. Was there, what brought like after that, right? In the, in the midst of the recovery of that, how did you actually connect to this CBD product? Yeah, really um, interesting kind of trail of events. The condensed version is uh, my background prior to getting into entrepreneurship. I was a prodigy of social media and the internet, you know, just kind of growing up with a computer in my hand. And uh, prior to starting my business, I was in marketing. So I have a background in marketing, a degree in marketing, a master's in business. And I was working in a startup environment actually. And that startup grew to be a very successful uh, company. We were based in Austin and that company exploded and went international and had, you know, 10 different offices on multiple continents. And I was employee 13 and exited with the company when they were about 650 employees. And so for me, that entrepreneurship was definitely there. I also really love Shark Tank. I love um, just that spirit of, of the possibility of anybody can kind of create a product, but you know, what separates good products from bad products is that go-to-market strategy. And so I think my passion of marketing is really what helped me kind of materialize, hey, not only do I have an idea for this product to sell after coming out of my accident, but now how am I going to go take that product to market? How am I going to get it in front of people who need to learn be educated and ultimately, you know, want to purchase my product. And so I think for us, it was just kind of, you know, before we were recording, you were sharing, you know, experiences that you've had in your life that you don't really know how to make sense of until sometimes you're like smacked straight in the face with it. In my case, it was the accident. And it was, man, I love cannabis. I love marketing. I love entrepreneurship, but I had never really seen a path for how I was going to actually go into that business. And I think something that I really love to always highlight, you know, for me, again, entrepreneurship wasn't a oh, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur one day. It was actually the opposite. I joke that, you know, despite having the experience, the education, the passion, um, I didn't jump out of the plane willingly into entrepreneurship. I was kicked out of the plane. I was actually laid off from my job. After I left the tech company, I became director of marketing for a digital agency, um, got to work on branded sites for Campbell Soup Company and the NFL and Microsoft and just wasn't a good fit. And so they ultimately laid me off. And that was really couple months prior to getting laid off, I had, you know, decided, Hey, let's actually take this product that my mother had originally created for me during my recovery and start to make a website, make a brand, um, you know, put some things mm -hmm. together. And so it wasn't until I got laid off that I really felt, you know, the opportunity of the, the time is now let's take it. Let's lean into this uncomfortability and really see if we can build something. And so when we launched, that was in 2018. So I mentioned hemp was federally legalized in 2019. So we were really right at that cusp of it becoming a kind of national phenomenon. And so when people started looking for education, resources, products, we were certainly one of those voices that people found and discovered. And I am grateful, you know, to have been in that position, right place, right time, but never really planned to kind of be in this, in this industry by any means, but I love it. And I'm grateful for it. So tell us, um, Tell us, tell us about the name Restart, right? Restart. And also tell us a little bit about the growth trajectory you've had in, in the last few years with this, with this new, with this new product. Yeah, thanks. So restart, if you can imagine kind of in a simplistic term, you know, you're going to restart your car, you're going to restart your life. And I think for me coming out of the accident, that really was rock bottom, not just because I had um, ultimately gotten laid off at the end of that, but I was 
overweight. I was sedentary and not overweight in a negative, like, you know, I just, I loved eating food or whatever the case may be. I I just, I was literally so depressed because I couldn't walk for a month after the accident. I was immobile. I was questioning where my life was going, what the direction was going to be. And so for us, when we were coming um, together as a family, I mentioned, we started a family brand. I own the business with my two younger sisters. So we are women owned and family owned. We really leaned into this idea of restart. This is like an opportunity to restart something. And when you further look into CBD specifically as a cannabinoid, oftentimes the words optimal um, kind of comes up. And so we really started to lean into that CBD for optimal balance. Like how do you optimize your life? And so this opportunity of I'm going to restart. I'm going to optimize my life really kind of fell into um, Mm. a good kind of pattern for us to kind of latch onto and build our brand. But I also mentioned, you know, when we launched, it wasn't federally legal. And so when we started the company, this was something that with my background in technology, um, working for these digital platforms, I was very familiar with e-commerce. I was very familiar with building a brand, but I didn't know how to sell cannabis, let alone a minorly, you know, illegal, federally almost legal product and kind of what was that go-to-market plan and strategy. And so for us, it was really just, I, I love the analogy of like, how do you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. And so for us, we really just started to look at what is in our control and what is out of our control. And so originally we launched the business as a side project. This wasn't even something intended to take on my full-time, um, you know, energy and space. But for us, like I mentioned too, when we launched, we were at that moment where it went from not being on people's radars to people peaking their curiosity, just kind of, again, from like a national perspective. And so I think just by being there and being knowledgeable and being friendly and telling our stories, um, that was really resonating with people. So my story is kind of coming from the accident, pain management, recovery, my middle sister, she's my original co-founder because the third sister, she was a little too young when we first launched. Um, but my middle sister, she's actually a former collegiate athlete from the University of Texas. And if you know about collegiate sports, UT's got a great um, recognition and she was a swimmer for them. And then now presently she's an Under Armour sponsored athlete. So she was really approaching this from a purist. What can I put in my body? That's going to help, you know, fuel my body. I don't want to put in negative ingredients or things that are going to detract. And so for us, it was this yin and yang of I'm the cannabis girl and she's the health and wellness girl. And so people just really trusted us and they really resonated again with our approach to storytelling. And we were always really honest and upfront with our customers. And I think that helped us lay the foundation. So that was what 2018, 2019, of course, the pandemic hit, I think, for a lot of business, the unfortunate reality of not being digital first was a really big wake up call. And again, I think with my background coming from technology, we already had a website, we already had social presence, we were already on YouTube and Instagram, that was really easy for us to control the conversation. Hey, you can't come into my retail location today, but you can shop online and we'll ship it for you. Or, Hey, you can watch my YouTube videos and we'll educate you. Even if you can't come talk to us in the store again, continue to help cement us as experts and leaders. And then really proud that we just won um, last year and we're going up for it again this year, uh, best CBD dispensary in, uh, in Austin, Texas. So 
building a name for ourselves as being the leader and not only here in Austin and central Texas, Mm -hmm. but that has also paid dividends. I'm fortunate to sit on certain cannabis boards here in the state of Texas, really be an advocate. Um, I also have a cannabis podcast. So I speak to the conversation at national level. I'm a public speaker. So I get to go speak in different States and cities on cannabis and educate, educating consumers in the industry. And so those are aspects that again, when I was experiencing the accident or first getting introduced to CBD, I was, I had no idea that this was going to be, you know, the opportunity. And I remember when we launched, you're looking around like, okay, well, who else is doing this? And then you're realizing nobody is doing this. Very few people are doing this. And we quickly realize, oh, well, and I think there's um, a book about, you know, having a seat at the table. You shouldn't wait for someone to pull the, the chair out and you take a seat. You kind of, you know, take the ownership and you pull the chair out and you take a seat anyways. I think that was the attitude that we took in this particular endeavor of just why not us? Why can't we have this conversation and really leaned into it? And I think that's where we've seen a lot of success of just, you know, people love to have their questions answered. They love being educated and they love the quality of our products at the end of the day. Love it. I love it. So many things. So I want to dive into um, you know, the business side of this and, 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 and some of your mindset right? Um, a lot of our listeners are thinking about, you know, how do I stay adaptive in, in changing markets or how do I help my organization remain adaptive? And so with laws changing, with market shifting, I mean, you're probably in a space that where you have to be dialed in like all the time. And so I'd love for you to speak about like your approach to staying adaptive and keeping the edge in the market. Yeah, I think that it is something that I'm constantly chasing, um, but it's certainly very important, especially in our industry, because the laws vary from a federal level to a state level and even to a municipality level. I don't think people realize the degree of variation from not even just like what is legal, but what can I put on my packaging? What states can I sell into? So because we're e-commerce, there are certain products I can sell into, let's say Texas, but I cannot ship into Colorado. So yeah, how do you stay on top of that? And I think um, first and foremost, it's kind of building out a good list of resources that you can rely and call upon to educate you, right? And so for me, that's mm-hmm. certain accounts that I follow on social media platforms, it's certain publications that I subscribe to, it's other people's podcasts, other people's magazines, other people's websites, and just creating a good kind of daily pulse of what's happening in my industry. And again, I think depending on what degree of your business you're operating. So for example, if you're running a national business and and doing e-commerce and shipping across state lines, you obviously need to know what's happening at a federal level. I think if you're just dealing a little bit more localized, it might be a little bit more um, easy because you're not having to keep track of so many different states' laws and regulations. But I think that for me is just kind of a baseline. I always keep a pulse on what's going on and kind of a trick of the trade would be setting Google alerts. You know, for our industry, there are certain cannabinoids. So we mentioned CBD, THC, there's other cannabinoids that have come under scrutiny. Um, For example, Delta 8 THC is another kind of interesting one that I have Google alerts set for. And anytime there is news about that cannabinoid, I get it straight to my inbox. So I don't have to do the searching. That information Mm -hmm. comes to me. Um, Another thing I would love to highlight too, is being a part of trade organizations, anything that can 
allow you to connect with other business owners who are perhaps navigating the same thing that you're navigating. So I mentioned, I sit on the board of an organization here in Texas called the Texas Hemp Coalition. This is all about Texas hemp businesses and brands. And that opportunity allows me to learn from my peers, um, to have kind of, you know, a quick ability to dial or text or chat with someone to say, Hey, what's going on in, you know, your part of Texas, or what's your interpretation of this law that's coming out. And also that organization is a great uh, entryway for me to be involved from a policy and legislation perspective. So in Texas, we're a two-year legislation state. And so that is very important for me to stay on top of as a leader in my industry, in my state, Texas doesn't have full-on access to marijuana in that traditional sense of perhaps California or Colorado. And so what does that look like? How do we go after legalization? How do we make sure that these products are safe? What do labels need to say? And so rather than being very reactive, which I do witness a lot of people, unfortunately, falling into that, oh, someone else can go testify. Someone else can go, you know, call the senators or I'll just wait for the laws to be in my favor. I really decided to take a proactive approach and really be, um, again, in that driver's seat of, well, I want to contribute to the conversation as much as possible. I want to educate not only my consumers, my peers, but also the legal industry of people who are making decisions of what is legal and accessible for me as a business owner. And so I think that has also been really critical for me. And so I just encourage people to be a part of trade organizations. I'm a part of national ones, state ones, non-cannabis ones. As a marketer, I'm a part of marketing organizations that keep me smart on a marketing perspective. So there's definitely different, you know, things that you can pursue to help keep you abreast and on top of the ever-changing landscape that is our industry. Yeah. So a couple of things that you talked about, and I'm going to, I'm going to drill in on some of the mindset stuff. And I think you really captured it when you said, you know, don't wait until somebody pulls a chair out for you to sit, but just go ahead and take a seat at the table. And, you know, thinking, you know, for our listeners, there's probably some opportunities where you may be waiting to be invited and you need to go and sit down. You need to join that table and recognize not everybody's going to be comfortable with you there, but that doesn't mean you don't belong there. Um, so I'd love for you, maybe you can unpack a little bit. I don't know. Um, of how you got to that level of mindset, how you got to that level of initiative for yourself. Yeah, that's a interesting one for me because I think we all struggle with imposter syndrome, right? Even those of us who, you know, I think the perception maybe of listeners to both you and I, it's always the perception of, oh, these people with the microphones, they must have made it. They must like be these experts. And yes, that's very true. I appreciate that, you know, observation. That's certainly what I strive to be as an expert on the conversation on the topic, but you know, how did I get here? And so for me, I remember when I was at my corporate tech job, I was in my early twenties and part of my role was to travel around the United States, um, and set up my company at trade shows and, and booths essentially. And I remember connecting with customers at our booth. I remember connecting with partners, you know, kind of at these events. And there were always these speaking opportunities at these events. And I just remember thinking like, no, I, how, why would I, who's going to invite me, you know, to get from behind the booth to like on a stage, I'm just, you know, a 20 something year old at this conference. But I think it was just the continuous, um, pressure in a, in a positive way of like, 
my peers, my coworkers, our partners, our customers who were like, Hey, Shada, you know, some stuff about marketing, you know, some stuff about community building and, and you have these big ideas. You should take the next step and go submit yourself to speak. And, and I remember the very moment of just like, okay, I'm going to submit myself to speak, but they're probably not going to pick me. And then once they actually picked me, it was like, okay, this is game on. It felt like this, um, you know, rush of just like, why did I wait so long? Why did I deselect myself? And so I think for me, I've always been driven kind of from that moment forward on thinking of, you know, if you do not ask the answer will always be no. And so the best thing I could do is ask, can I speak at your conference? Can I be on your podcast? Can I, you know, have a meeting with you? And I think more often than not, the answer was yes. There's certainly no's in there. I don't think that it's always going to be, you know, a easy train to the top. Um, but once I got out of my own way and realized that there was space for me at the proverbial table that I wanted to sit at, it became much more easy for me to see myself in that opportunity of, Hey, I have some things to say and I can contribute to this conversation and why not me? And so I just really encourage the listeners to, you know, reflect internally, um, perhaps on what it is that they want to be doing and don't see it as a limitation of maybe you're not a great public speaker. So maybe you don't want to public speak, but that can be improved, right? You can always learn new skills. It's that passion of, I'm not going to settle. And if you go back and look at my very first public speaking <laughs> talks, or you listen to my first, you know, podcast episodes, I wasn't very articulate. You know, I was, maybe my thoughts were all jumbled around the place, but I was passionate. And so I think, again, it's allowing yourself that grace to, um, don't let great be the enemy of good and good should just get yourself out there and just keep, keep, you know, putting the pedal to the metal and see what can come from it. Yeah. What I heard in there was, and I'm going to paraphrase with my own words. Um, you had value you you hadn't recognized in yourself yet, and you know then you stepped up to the plate, right? And in another way, you you miss every swing you don't take, and so you said, "Hey, I'm going to take a swing," and whoop, you you hit you know you didn't know it, but you hit the ball, and so you know I would encourage anyone like if you're contemplating, step up to the plate and start swinging just swing, just enjoy it, right? Whether you hit something right away or not, just keep swinging. You're gonna, it's gonna connect. Um, and, and be aware of the value. Like you, that's what I see. You're in your early twenties, you're at these, these trade shows, these conventions, and it took other people to reflect back on you. Hey, you're smart at this. You're good at this. You're good at that. And sometimes we need that. And sometimes we need to surround ourselves with people that actually can acknowledge the value we bring but then we also have to acknowledge it ourselves because sometimes it, the, the world's telling you, right? Everybody's telling you, you have value here, but we, we minimize it. We dismiss it. And so that's a, a, a key point I wanted to draw, draw out. I wanted to talk a little bit about, so restart speaking about, it said uh, 2018, a couple, so Correct. almost yeah. three and a half years. Yep. So tell us about growth and projections, forecasts. Where do you see this going? What are you poised? Is there a breakout moment for this product and for your company coming up? Million dollar question. I think uh, the rude awakening for cannabis businesses, unfortunately, kind of going back to what I was sharing, really this whole conversation, right? Especially talking about adaptation. 
we have to be really realistic for what market we are playing in. And so because marijuana is not federally legal um, and that kind of from most cannabis business owners perspectives is kind of, you know, the Mecca, the end point at seeing cannabis be federally legalized. Hemp is an aspect of that, but here in Texas, we don't have that marijuana component yet. And so for us as business owners, it's, well, when does the law open up for me to be in business? And well, I've certainly learned a lot just through, you know, personal exploration by running a business in this industry. And also from, um, you know, I think a note to mention is I started my podcast as a way to talk to people much smarter than myself and to have that insight coming in kind of on a daily basis on a regular frequency. And when you start to realize how these laws are set up, they vary state to state and municipality to municipality. And so when I look at projections of what we are able to do from our business, we're a little bit stunted, unfortunately, just because we don't really know what the laws are going to do. Um, I'll share a snippet, you know, right now as a hemp business, not even again, getting into marijuana as a hemp business, there's a couple different ways that you can consume hemp. So when we first launched as a brand, uh, really the most popular was a sublingual oil. Then as the market kind of opened up, you started seeing people have smokable products, edible products, topical products, pet products, et cetera. Well, right now in Texas, actually since 2019, <laughs> there's been a lawsuit in the state of Texas that has been going back and forth of it's on the table, so it's illegal. And then there's an amendment and they kind of pull it back or someone sues the state on smokable hemp products. So all my smokable products for a couple months in 2019 had to be pulled from the shelves, couldn't sell those. Mm -hmm. um, and then when the lawsuit kind of, again, went back and forth, that ping pong, then those products came back on the shelves. And so we, unfortunately, as an industry are I, I don't have the luxury of saying, I'm going to make a product and I'm going to sell this product to infinity and I'm going to market around this product. I do that up until a point of, hey, the laws change and you can no longer sell that product. Or for example, that's on a state level, at a federal level, uh, people might be familiar with the PACT Act, which came um, up kind of in the end of last year and it had some back and forth with it too, but that essentially prohibits people from selling smokables in the mail. Well, I'm an e-commerce business and I ship my products nationwide. So not only <laughs> could I not sell smokables in Texas for some months on time, I now cannot presently cannot sell you certain smokable products through um, the mail. And so I think those are interesting components that as a business, smokables might be really popular for a season or for a couple months, but then the laws change and we have to adjust. And so I think rather than setting my sights on, I'm going to be at this position and have this amount of sales, and this is the path that I'm going to do to get there. Um, I think for us, we're really excited about just helping educate consumers because we see ourselves as being leaders as Texas legalizes, as Texas continues to go after more um, opportunity when it comes to cannabis and knowing that ultimately what product I sell might change. It's the platform that I'm building is what we're really excited about. And so, like I mentioned, you know, we are the leader here in central Texas. I get to sit on these boards that further positions me as a leader. I get to have these conversations where I get to educate and inspire people. And so for me as a born and raised Texas gal who just loves cannabis, like, yeah, I want to see cannabis legal in my state. And so for me, for us, that's the end goal. Um, but when that will happen. I don't know if it's three years, seven years, 10 years or more. And so everything in between is us 
navigating, adapting to, you know, the current market and um, what's happening in our industry. Yeah. So some so insights for me that come out of what you're hearing you say is, number one, uh, you are truly a pioneer in every sense of the means. And, and, and what I mean by that is the environment has zero predictability. Okay. You, and, 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 and most businesses are you know, built and founded and grounded by their ability to predict, right? Predictions, forecasts, Correct. certainty, right? And, and to my listeners, you're in that space. You like certainty. And Shada, you have, you have just chased after uncertainty. I mean, you're in the midst of it. And um, I, I just kudos and just congratulations to staying the course because I think a lot of people would just say, you know, what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until the laws allow me to do this. And, and no, instead, you are driving the narrative. And from an adaptive perspective, I think that's, that's just absolutely noble. And just cheers. Cheers, cheers. I appreciate cheers. that acknowledgement. Thank you. So what it feels like sometimes, you know, I think yeah. people look at business ownership and it looks really glamorous and it looks really exciting. And I don't discredit non-traditional, you know, cannabis industries because it's not easy by any mark. But yes, when you add in the uh, complexities of these emerging industries and really realizing we are pioneering something. And unfortunately that isn't always a guarantee, but man, I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to embrace the change, embrace having to pivot, embrace having, you know, the rug kind of being pulled out from under me. Um, sometimes with my knowledge, sometimes without my knowledge, uh, you know, just, it makes us stronger and it makes us uh, more able to continue to adapt, which is again, I think a reason why we've found so much success is because we keep fighting, we keep showing up every day and we keep delivering on the promise that we set out originally to bring to our consumers and our community, which is to educate them and to provide them with high quality, you know, CBD and hemp products. Yeah. So I want to pivot to another area of questions, if we could. Um, you work with your sisters. Yes, I do. And, and so you know, we, we're always working with people and adapting those relationships and managing those relationships. What's it like running a company with siblings? It is the most exciting and the most excruciating time of my life. <laughs> I know genuinely, I feel, um, I feel blessed to be able to do it. It's something that I know, again, externally, some people are like, oh, you work with your family, how fun, or oh, you work with your family, I'm so sorry. And I appreciate both of those sentiments because that's how I feel on any given moment of any given day. But I think, uh, you know, being able to have family members, at least from our family, we have been a close family our whole lifetime. And so that's something that I, I really appreciate. And so being able to step into entrepreneurship, into business ownership with my siblings, it gives me a level of um, support kind of like a quality assurance of, well, I know my sister's going to show up to work. So maybe my employee calls out sick or something again happens in our industry, but at least I have my siblings, my family to kind of help me pick up the pieces and, and move forward. But I think, you know, an interesting thing with us, I mentioned my sister, my middle sister, Sydney, she's a former collegiate athlete and a, a health and wellness gal. Well, she just came from a very different background. So I mentioned, you know, I have an MBA. I worked in corporate technology. I went through that traditional um, hierarchy of working for someone else, you know, getting paid, you know, little to nothing to kind of get started out on a team. And you're just... I'm here to just do whatever needs to get done so that I can, you know, maintain my job and opportunity versus my sister, not to discredit her, but she pursued a much more liberating route. She was a nutritionist. She was a 
um, a, a trainer. She worked in a gym, so she kind of set her own schedule. So it's been interesting um, coming into the workplace where I'm very prompt. I'm like, okay, we have a meeting. The meeting is structured. We need to get X, Y, and Z done. And she's a little bit, okay, well, we'll get it done, you know, but I have this break at 2 PM cause I got to go do a workout or something. So I think the luxury of working with your family is you have that reliance and that support as long as you know, your family is reliable and supportive. Um, but I think working with my family also gives me that flexibility where we can really create something unique. And it's not something that I have to necessarily, um, hire for, I guess it's another point to make, right. When you're making hiring, decisions, you're looking for the best qualified candidate. Again, I wouldn't say that my sister is not qualified, but if you're looking to go like start a business and like have a co-founder, you maybe want them to have some business experience or, you know, some management experience, some hiring experience. And my sisters have not gone through the traditional um, structure of what would give them that that history and that background. Um, and so we've had to adapt to just, you know, kind of make it make sense and make it work. And so for the very, uh, probably first two years of our business, we were only employed with family members. And then as the business continued to scale, we started bringing in other employees. And so adding that dynamic also to a family business is interesting because, you know, we treat our employees a little bit like family. I know there's some, um, negative feedback. Sometimes you shouldn't treat your employees like family, but I think because we are, so beloved in the local community that we're in, our customers come in and they feel like they're a part of our family and having employees who can speak to the customers and be a reflection of, you know, part of our success, we've become known in our community as the hashtag CBD sisters. We get customer calls. Oh, I want to talk to the CBD sisters. Customers come in store. If we're not there, oh, is one of the sisters there? We did such a good job educating and building this brand with our faces on it. That when we wanted to scale, it was, well, how do I make my employees be just as qualified, capable, um, helpful, and, and resourceful as we are? And so that has been an interesting journey for us to adapt as well, which I think we found success in where I don't have to be in the retail um, as much as I was because we have a staff who can handle that now. Um, and, and when you see customers come in and they recognize you, they're like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while, but you're, you're, you know, your staff's so helpful, so great. It makes me feel good that I've done a good job um, training them, passing on that expertise and that um, expectation as well for them to continue to deliver on our brand for brand values. I love it. Some things that jump out to me. One, the fact that you've gone into this with your sisters, with family, I. It, it, there's something in here that, that's sticking out to me because you're in an environment where you're taking fire. You, 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 you know, you've got to, you, the laws are changing. You can't do everything you really would want to be able to do. And, and things are pivoting like all the time. That is a very difficult environment. And a lot of people don't go there. A lot of people will not go there. And if they did, they're going to go there with, you know, like, hey, do you have my back, right? Like, do you have my back? Can I count on you? And there's very few relationships outside of family that are going to stick with you that long. And so it's almost, um, I don't know, serendipitous or something like that, that the fact that you've gone in with your sisters and in this environment, I, I, I'm making a, an assumption that that bond has really made it maybe helped kept you guys together um, and in this fight. And so that's something that jumped out to me. And then to the comment about, you know, your employees as family, that absolutely makes sense to me. The size of where you're at and where you're growing from, um, I wouldn't expect anything other than that. In fact, if you were saying, hey, no, we want to be a corporate environment, 
I'd, I'd be like tilting my head with a question mark. It completely makes sense to me that you would, anybody you bring in is going to fall right into that family, you know, culture. And um, yeah, so fantastic, fantastic stuff. Um, wow, I didn't realize how much time had gone by here, Shada. And let's, uh, let's begin to wind down here. What are some maybe things that you'd like to share with our listeners before we, before we wrap up? Yeah, I just want to say thank you to you for inviting me to have this conversation. I think, again, just reflecting on my journey, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur as much as I um, maybe dreamed of being an entrepreneur. You know, dreaming is much different than actuality. And once you step into the shoes of I'm the responsible one, I'm the executive, I've got to make sure um, that the business wheels keep spinning is a lot of pressure, but getting to do it. Um, like you highlighted so beautifully with my family has been a really great experience and opportunity. And, and ultimately for us to be in this emerging market, to be leaders, to be pioneers that continues to fuel that fire in us of let's wake up and let's, you know, take the day head on and let's continue to champion it forward. And so just really to the listeners, you know, whether you resonated with us talking about a taboo topic like cannabis, or you resonated with, you know, the family aspect of our business, or really just, you know, felt a little bit of your own personal story and my story of, Hey, we all start somewhere. And I think that's the beautiful thing that I'd love to just leave people with is why not you? Why not now? And encourage people to connect with us um, on our website, restartcbd.com, uh, on Instagram. If you want to connect with me directly personally, Shada Tarabi, just type me into Google. You'll find my website, my Instagram, my LinkedIn. And, and I always genuinely mean it when I say like, please engage, like, please reach out. You know, I think again, people glorify sometimes these podcasts and they're like, oh, they're just superhumans. And it's like, we're human at the end of the day, I'm a person and I have an inbox and I love to hear how my um, stories are resonating and my thoughts are inspiring. And, and if they're not, I'd love to hear that too. Just feedback in general, I think is a really healthy thing to curate. So just want to encourage people to connect with me because I'm a real human being and just trying to, you know, champion uh, cannabis and entrepreneurship and just possibility from my corner of the universe. So one, one other question, and I want you to go through how people can find you one more time. Um, Somebody that's listening to this has never heard of CBD is you just introduced it and like, wait, there's cannabis and it's not psychotropic. It's not going to get me high, but it could actually benefit me. Like who would be the best type of people to actually start thinking, maybe I should look into this. Like what are symptoms? What are they experiencing? You know, who should, who should take a closer look at this? What a wonderful question. I think Everybody, you, dear listener, I think uh, that's the beauty of cannabis from my perspective, you know, coming from the psychotropic uh, luster side of myself, I was very high THC before I got introduced to CBD. And what I kind of neglected in my story was sharing when my mom originally, my mother, she suggested I try CBD. And I was like, you're crazy. I like THC and I'm good. I don't need this CBD thing. Um, and she was very persistent. Like, Hey, I hear it can be good for your inflammation. You were just in a car accident. Like, why don't you try this? And so I begrudgingly was like, okay, I'm, I'm a firstborn, you know, daughter. I'm like, okay, mom, I'll listen to you. I'll do whatever you, I'll take the spoonful of whatever you want me to take. Um, and I'm glad I did because she really helped catapult us into a trajectory that allowed my narrow-minded perspective of what cannabis is and what cannabis can be into being so much broader than that. Like I mentioned, CBD is non-psychotropic, but you can take it as a topical, you can ingest it, you can smoke it. I never want customers and people to feel that cannabis is a one size fits all. 
Um, and I just really hope that they leave this conversation, maybe feeling inspired and encouraged to just, you know, Google some things, see what is CBD good for? What can CBD do for me? Um, we get a lot of people when we first launched our brand, I'm a millennial. If you can't see my face, I'm in my early thirties and we thought, well, we're going to make a brand for millennials. And really quickly, we realized a lot of our customer base was actually 65 plus. And it was them who were being the influencers to their children, their grandchildren being like, Hey, I'm bringing my kid in today. And you're like, Whoa, this isn't exactly what I thought was going to be the plan. Um, but again, just kind of sharing that in, in an effort to kind of paint a picture of cannabis can be for everyone. You don't have to get high. If that's not your jam, you don't have to smoke. If that's not your preference, there's a lot of beauty to this plant, a lot of medicinal value to this plant. And we're just, scratching the surface. We mentioned CBD, THC, there's CBN, there's CBG. CBG is actually known to be anti-cancer. So there's a lot of properties and a lot more research thanks to hemp being legalized um, federally in 2019. More research is becoming available to actually provide true scientific data that can say, hey, if you're dealing with this ailment, disease, um, implication that cannabis could perhaps be a solution for you to try. Right. I love it. I love it. I want to ask, but I know the answer. It could cannabis cure COVID. Um, maybe, you know, maybe not. We don't know. Now a new study was just shared that said certain cannabinoids could, but I'm not going to be, you'll never find me being someone <laughs> to push these, uh, you know, these, 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 uh, fads or these, um, you know, clickbait yeah. topics. I really want people to feel, uh, cannabis can be more like a supplement. It's a part of your everyday life. So, gotcha. so, so think of it as a supplement. Yes. And do some research. There's a lot of stuff out there and it has nothing to do with getting high. It can, but it doesn't have to be. It can, but it doesn't have to. All right. Where, where can people follow up with you one more time, Shada, and then we will let you go. Yes. Find me on Instagram. That's my favorite place at the Shada Tarabi. And if you want to check out Restart CBD, we're at Restart CBD as well. Thank you again for the opportunity and the conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Shada. All right. Thank you all. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.